Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network, and of course that means it's time to get riled up on your Dallas Cowboys with my man Tom Ryle and your boy Roy White at RW3 on Twitter. You can find him at TomRyleBTB, and of course you can find all the great work following your favorite football team, the Dallas Cowboys, at bloggingtheboys.com, and of course by following them on the Twitter sphere as well. In fact, all so- social media aspects, you can follow Blogging the Boys and make sure you subscribe to those podcasts as well. It's the offseason for us, but the NFL, NFL offseason has not yet begun. And before we get into all the things we've got lined up on this podcast, uh, of course, we're going to take a look at some of the Cowboys contracts that we may want to make some adjustments to going forward. Uh, in addition to that, we're also going to take a look at some of the notes from the Senior Bowl and the Cowboys comments we've gotten from Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones while they've been out there attending those. They were out last year from doing those because of COVID. And then finally, we've actually got some reasons to be optimistic about the Cowboys in 2022. And we'll tell you why we're actually really excited to get to that part. But Tom, I actually kind of want to start with a little bit of a reaction to what we saw play out this past Sunday. We have a pair of Super Bowl contenders in the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm curious, you know, as we look at the Cowboys and how they stack up to what ultimately became the Super Bowl contenders in the 2021 season. When you step back from it, how close were the Dallas Cowboys? Um, I think they were basically whatever went wrong with Dak away. Um, And as I, you know, I wrote up uh, an article earlier this week that, uh, Dak basically went a year and a half where he was essentially working every single day between either playing games and getting ready for them or a long and grueling and taxing rehab process after he injured his ankle because that ran up right until they started training camp. So he's really not had any time off in a year and a half. Not only I think that that physically wore down, I think the middle strain was showing towards the end of the season that he just wasn't as confident after he had his little calf strain in the game against the Patriots. And so I think if he had not been having his struggles, uh, that that would have maybe helped overcome whatever problems Kellen Moore seemed to be having. Um, I don't know that the Cowboys could have gone into the uh, NFC championship and beaten the Rams, but I think if, if Dak had been playing better, they would had a pretty good chance of making it there before they, they hit the wall. So uh, I don't think the Cowboys are, were that far off. Uh, 
unfortunately, whatever did happen was pretty big. And if I'm wrong in my reading of it, then, you know, there could be deeper concerns. But once again, it's one of those things that I think the fix is there. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. Uh, I'm, you know, there was a there was a question raised about whether the uh, the the Rams uh, win uh, over the 49ers made me feel better or worse. It didn't make me feel either way. It just I just feel like the Cowboys just, you know, they were they had a lot. They were close. Uh, and it's just it's a shame that things just kind of didn't come together at the very end because it, we thought they were getting it together and then it turned out they weren't. I wonder how the Cowboys will look in a matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, it's a good thing. Of course, we're going to find that out next season because they will actually play against both Super Bowl contenders uh, next year. And that will be interesting to see, right? I'd hate to have too many estimations made regarding that but either way the cowboys are going to get to play the super bowl champions next year and uh, they will somewhat have themselves a measuring stick against what will be the reigning super bowl champion um of course a week ago tom you and i were certain that dan quinn was on his way out the defensive coordinator <laughs> was interviewing with what three or four different teams appeared to be the top candidate in multiple conversations, including the Denver Broncos, the Chicago bears, the Jacksonville Jaguars had had him in for an interview or at least attempted to until he refused. But we knew there were several teams that were eyeing Dan Quinn and by all reports, he was gone. And now here we sit a week later, not only is Dan Quinn sticking around, but now we're potentially sweating out the possibility that Kellen Moore could be on his way out of Dallas based on the news yeah, and, we got this week. Yeah, and it's, it's, it sounds like Moore is one of the two semifinalists, so to speak, for the Miami Dolphins. Um, I can't remember who the other one they're looking at. It's that real young guy. Um, he's an offensive coordinator. I can't remember where from. I just know he looks like a, looks like a computer geek that sits in his basement all day. Um, not meaning to dis disrespect him. It's just he does not look the part of your typical NFL offensive coordinator. Um, obviously a brilliant guy to be getting this much attention so early in his career. Uh, I, I heard that was, I guess, Jim Harbaugh, that's the one that's at Michigan now, was considered to maybe becoming a favorite, but he uh, has announced to Michigan that he is coming back probably with a little bit of a pay bump that uh, he wrangled out from taking an interview. So, yeah, we don't really know what's going to happen with, uh, with Kellen, which is kind of, it's one of those, a lot of people wanted him gone. I don't know if that's such a good idea now. Uh, you know, let's, let's maybe get him back in, see if he can sort out what he was doing wrong. Uh, you know, that certainly should be the focus for the off season to get that straightened out and try to get the offense clicking a little better. So, yeah, we will see. I agree. I felt that way about Kellen when people were – everybody was almost kind of saying, hey, like, if he's gone, so be it. Uh, no. Why, why would you want that? You're talking about a guy who, when he's had his quarterback, has orchestrated a top-five offense in EPA in each of those two seasons, and he's only got three years on the job. Obviously – there are things this man will have to learn 
throughout his coaching career. That's a given. But to understand what he has done without knowing everything that he doesn't even know he doesn't know, right? Um, yeah. And hopefully you understood what I said there because uh, I'm not going to repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't repeat it. Um, because Kellen really does have some to learn, but with that growth, right, will come, I think, an even greater level that he is capable of. And if this offense can somehow find another gear under Kellen Moore, what does that look like? How do you improve upon the number one offense, at least for the regular season, in 2021? Well, there's certainly a lot of room for improvement when you look at the second half of the season when things just weren't clicking. And, and, And that becomes one of those things that do we really know what happened? I think it was something going on with Dak and that mental fatigue and a lot, a, 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 some concern about was his leg going to hold up with the calf injury? Was he dealing with more pain than we ever found out about from that, which I think is all part of it. And, you know, he had, probably had a lack of faith in his own running ability, which took an element out of the game. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, – I know people don't like to hear it that much because it's not a sexy solution and it's not dramatic, but yeah, let's get back together and find out if we've got a good handle on this, see if we can figure out what's really going on with this and and let's go from there. And as we're going to get into a little bit, uh, it would give the Cowboys stability in the year where there's a lot of chaos going on in the rest of the league. So, you know, we'll get we'll save that part for a little bit later when we can get into it in more depth. Absolutely. And we will get into it here on the Riled Up on the Cowboys podcast. But we've got a little bit of news as well to get to. Uh, Jerry Jones speaking in Mobile, Alabama. First time, of course, in the last two years because they did not attend the Senior Bowl last year. Um, the Cowboys and, and Jerry kind of speaking about their plans in the offseason and two things out of what he said kind of stuck out to me now as you and I talked about before we even started the podcast quite a bit of what Jerry says is wrapped in fluff and insanity in some cases right it's it's a performance art that Jerry enjoys participating in and you have to accept that when you're listening to any Jerry Jones press conference what that means is that it's entirely possible that in a 40-minute press conference Jerry Jones may say 15 to 20 seconds of something (laughs) worth substance. At the same time, right, Jerry has been susceptible in years past to showing his hand, so to speak, and telegraphing moves that the Cowboys may be interested in making or, you know, maybe focusing on. One thing he mentioned there in Mobile was that the Cowboys will be taking a hard look at offensive line and some of the players that they can use to help that offensive line. Now we know they attacked that last year in the draft uh, in the form of Josh Bell, who never really even got on the field for the Dallas Cowboys. Cause I believe he spent the entire season on IR. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that was obviously, I don't want to call that a failed pick, but a pick that they expected to get something out of and they got nothing. And then when you review the Cowboys offensive line, this past season, most would say that they were a disappointment considering 
all the acclaim and all the hype that surrounded them coming into this season. I think you could argue, argue that outside of Zach Martin, really no one lived up to the expectations that we had for them going into the 2021 season. Fair statement? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I also think that uh, not only do they need to look for possibly an immediate uh, upgrade at left guard, um, they've got to consider that Tyron Smith has been, you know, fighting health issues for for seasons now, several seasons. Um, I think Lael Collins is going to be there for a good bit. But, you know, Zach Martin's been around for a while in football years. And, uh, you know, they is Lael certainly... going to be there for a bit? I mean, we're again, I... we're going to get into this conversation here in a little bit when we talk about potential triggers mm-hmm. that the Cowboys can activate. But, you know, Lael's one of those that, you know, if you want to talk about not living up to it now, granted, right, undrafted free agent. But if we recall, the only reason he was an undrafted free agent was because of the you know, the nuisance of a news story that came out right around Mm -hmm. the time he was supposed to be drafted because most had him projected as a first round draft pick. If he had been drafted in the first round, there's no doubt in my mind that Lael Collins would be considered a bust up to this point. Well, is that true? Do you agree with that? There's some people that'll fight that. Uh, Some of the offensive line people like uh, Duke Miniweather, I think Duke Mayweather. Okay. I yeah. know Duke Mayweather. He, yeah. He, he argues that Collins was balling out. Uh, he says his evaluation of him is much higher than a lot of other people have. So I'm not smart enough to, to be able to make that kind of a judgment on my own. Uh, I just say that I don't think Collins was a real problem. I think it was just some of the general malaise overall on the offense uh, that kind of all intertwined you know one thing led to another uh i i definitely would like to see them spend one high pick and probably get a second offensive lineman and start throwing some resources at that because if you know they need some help now and they're going to need more help later uh there's people that have suggested terrence Steele would be fine stepping in uh at right right tackle for Collins. Uh, I'm not willing to say that Steele would be able to replace what Collins does even at this point. Uh, but, you know, he may have some potential. I think he's got a, a, a possible great, you know, long future as a swing tackle. But I just think that I think that is one of the areas they need to target. You know, I, I'd probably have I'd have to say, uh, you know, I see linebackers, another thing. Um, I'd like to see him probably look at cornerback because they might want to do some things with uh, the, some of the cornerbacks they have. Uh, you know, I, I think they've got two cornerbacks for the future in uh, Trayvon Diggs. And uh, I always, always have to – no, Kelvin Joseph. Kelvin you know, Joseph. I think they've got two solids. Nation is still a to be determined. Uh, I know that Jerry said something about him. I just think that's a little bit high on, on what Nation has shown so far. Uh, but yeah, I could see that as a place they could go. And I wouldn't see them looking in the third or fourth round at maybe a running back, but we'll get into some of that too. 
<laughs> yeah, we will have time to get those draft evaluations. And, uh, you know, another thing that Jerry said, speaking about that offensive line, is that, you know, he's looking – they're going to continue to look for offensive line positional flex. Now, I'm normally a fan of players that can play two different positions if they can play both positions well. But given the fact that we haven't really seen a lot of players who play multiple positions well, we've just found players that can play multiple positions, are they making a mistake by not focusing on a guy that perhaps maybe only you know cooks one meal – but he can cook that meal better than anybody else who cooks that same meal. Yeah. If you're going for positional flex on the offensive line, you want that in your backups. Uh, the other rookie they had, Matt Farniok, was a, a good case of that. He could fill in a center. He could fill in a guard. Uh, you know, he, he just was, was a versatile guy to have as a backup. Uh, that doesn't mean he's ever, he's ever going to be a starter level player. And that's, that's, to me, when you're going for positional flex, you're getting a good backup, not necessarily somebody you want to have starting in any position. Uh, you know, uh, and if he's, you know, like say he's a really great guard and an okay center, then say you need to put somebody in at center because your center gets hurt. Do you want to take a really great guard and move him over to center and plug a not so great guard? That doesn't make any sense to me. You you want to identify where each player is their best and play them there as long as they're healthy. That's the way I look at it. That's my philosophy. Uh, I'm like you. The positional flex thing, you know, unless you've got a a unicorn like Micah Parsons was on defense, you don't want to be moving players around. And I don't think we're going to see a Micah Parsons equivalent come out of the draft. Are you sure about that? Now that the Cowboys, you know, have found linebackers that we believe in again, are Cowboys fans going to be upset if they go with a linebacker in the first round? Oh, I don't, I don't know that I would want to see them go with a first-round linebacker. I wouldn't either. I still wouldn't. No offense, Micah, but – I wouldn't oh, believe yeah, because, they could hit on it a second time. <laughs> because yeah, that was the thing is that uh, it, it's that they saw that Micah Parsons wasn't what people envision when they think linebacker. He was a lines linebacker edge rusher who can drop into coverage and stick with about eighty percent of the uh, receivers in the league. You just don't find that, and yeah. just. He was just a great find. Congratulations to him on getting the Butkus Award. Yeah. Uh, you Please know, keep listing him as a linebacker so that when it comes time to franchise tag him, um, he'll get yeah. like a linebacker <laughs> instead of a defensive lineman, right? I, I would imagine he's going to be angling for pass rusher there, right? Edge yeah. rusher come time. But I'm telling you now, if the franchise tag is still around, and I expect it to be by the time he's due for a second contract, that man is getting tagged. And if I'm they don't get one season, if they don't get a long-term deal done. Yeah. I, I would think that might be one where they might want to get smart, try to sign him to something before the end of the fourth year. But that's yes. Me. Yes. Well, hopefully if they tag him on a linebacker deal, then he's more apt to want to sign a team friendly deal as a pass rusher. Cause he's still making more than what he would make under his linebacker contract, but that's projected way far in the future. 
we're having fun because that's what we do in Cowboys offseason, right? You want to plan this thing out for this season, next season, and the seasons to come. And that – go ahead. Yeah, and speaking of having fun, we should note on the one little – other little news article from uh, Tuesday morning – or from Wednesday morning, excuse me uh, – we now no longer have to refer to the Washington football team because they are now the Washington Commanders. As our uh, our cohort uh, on the Blogging the Boys uh, Network, uh, Dave Sturgio revealed weeks ago, he not only had the name right, he had the logos that they showed today. He showed us, he actually shared that with some of us. Um, and I've got to admit that when it comes down to renaming and rebranding, this has got to be one of the lamest ones that I have ever seen. <laughs> it's an absolutely bland and uninspiring name. But above and beyond that, the graphics, the uniforms, um, as I commented on, they were just flat but ugly. And uh, someone replied back to me that that was an insult to butts across the world. (laughs) I am just so glad that they picked something that still allows us to rip on them. Right. If they'd have picked something cool, I would have had to acknowledge that it was like, all right, that's legit. In fact, if they had just announced that they were going to be the Washington football team, as we've discussed before, I'm like, I kind of hate it, but they now get to be the football team. Right. That's a little, that's, kind of cool by doing it, it this way thank god they still maintain what will always be a washington football franchise run by dan yeah. snyder and yeah and that's that's why it was never going to go because uh you know first off he he dug in his heels on the original nickname for so long absolutely refused to hear any of the reasons why it was objectionable to a portion of our population and why others of the population like myself felt like it was an insulting term and should not be associated with a professional sports franchise and and then orchestrated this absolute epitome of corporate blandness in the whole selection process you know it's just you want to know how i think he came about the decision and i'm i'm being somewhat serious when I suggest this, I think the domain names for the actual cool logos and ideas were taken. And he's such a cheap bastard that he didn't want to pay to get those domain names. So he went with the one that probably no one thought they would go with because we all realized how stupid and lame that it was. And sure enough, Washington commander still available. I'll take that. And as a very poor businessman, well, I can't call him a poor businessman because he is a billionaire, right? He obviously did something right. But as far as a football manager goes, a football businessman, um, yeah, that's as bad as it gets. And thank you for doing it the way that you did because, gosh, makes it so much easier on our end to hate it. Yeah. All the more. <laughs> uh, so, man, that's exciting. What an exciting branding. Poor Chase Young. Now got to go back into his own locker room and explain to his teammates why he graded the Washington commander's name as an F when he did an <laughs> interview a couple of months ago. Um, because he, obviously because he was honest and has good taste. Yeah. Well, 
he's got sense about him. And hey, when he gets uh, his contract comes up, I sure wouldn't mind an interior pass rusher with the likes of what he's able to bring to the table. But again, that's projecting into the future. First, you know, in order to add anybody this offseason, the Cowboys are going to have to do some serious finagling with their financial structures. As it stands, the Cowboys are currently nearly $22 million over the cap for the 2022 season. But as we are about to show you, that is really all just funny money. And now really what the Cowboys have to decide is how many of these triggers they actually want to pull. Yeah. Um, and it's, you have to understand uh, there was always talk like it was always famous about how generous Tom Brady was in restructuring his contracts to get cap space for the team. These restructures are built into the contracts when they're, when they're written and, and negotiated and then signed. This is not, you go to the player and say, can we restructure your contract? You do it. It's called flipping a switch for a reason because all the team has to do is say, okay, we're now restructuring. We're reassigning X amount of your uh, base salary to bonus money. And, oh, by the way, that means we pay you up front right now. Here's your check. So the players have no reason to object to this. It's all financially a good deal for them. And looking at the Cowboys contracts as reported by the Over the Cap website, if you look at the top seven contracts that they have available to restructure, just seven of them, they can flip those switches if they want to go all the way on it and generate about $69 million in cap space, which easily covers okay. the, uh, the shortfall and gives them you know, around $40 million if they wanted it for dabbling in free agency, which they could probably sign free agents for a lot less than that by once again structuring mm -hmm. the contracts so that they keep pushing stuff down the road. $69 million, you say? I believe that's what I came up with in a quick total running through it. It was just nice. short of 70 million. Yeah. Nice. And it's, yeah, you like now the question is, the question is, do we really want to go that far? Because in reviewing some of these restructures, right? Mm -hmm. Some make a ton of sense and some make no sense to me at all. So yes. let's go down the list and you and I will decide which of these are worth restructuring and which of these are worth resetting really just you know what set that back on the table we'll deal with that in another way when it's time to. Let, let's start with the biggest one and that's Dak Prescott which I think is just about guaranteed to happen um, you know there's there were already indications that the Cowboys are going to be doing that one pretty quickly he is six he is 15 million dollars right off the bat um and the, the Cowboys, he's their quarterback. Yeah. There's no reason to move on from him. Uh, you know, they're betting that they're not going to see continued problems for him, that he's going to be able to get things fixed. But when you're talking about a franchise quarterback, you kind of have to make that assumption, uh, you know, or you're just really in bad trouble. Uh, so he is the first one that you want to go to. And that's a no-brainer to me. I mean, not only is the fact that you can, you know, open up 15 million 
with your quarterback, but really, I mean, no other player, no other trigger, no even releasing a player outright is probably not going to save you $15 million. So I agree. That is a, that's a no brainer with Dak Prescott. You know, he's going to be here. So you might as well just pull the trigger and, you know, pull that, put that money on a, on a back end of the deal. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the next one, my, that I would go for uh, is uh, almost 12 million. If you restructure Demarcus Lawrence. Um, that's because I think he's still playing, uh, at a very, very high level. Uh, I don't think there's been any real decline with him. He's had some injury issues, but when he's healthy and out there on the field, he is a very disruptive player. Everyone complains that he doesn't get the sack totals, but he is influencing so many plays, uh, you know, causing the pass to come out of the, the quarterback's hand early. Uh, he's very good against the run for a, a what's, you know, a prototypically a, a pass rushing defensive end. Uh, they're definitely going to want to keep him around. Uh, you know, he's got years left on his contract. And like I said, that gets you another 12 million. So now they don't have to make any more immediate decisions because they are, that that's what they have. To, they, they would have to do is, be at the number at the start of the league year, uh, which they still got several weeks until, and that's when they have to get that cap number figured out, you know, and, and that, that takes care of it. I mean, this isn't like the New Orleans Saints that I have absolutely no idea how they're going to handle theirs. Yeah. They somehow do, but with their situation, it's just abhorrent. Uh, you know, the, I just don't know how far you can stretch the accounting games with them. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, the tank one, again, a no-brainer there. Uh, not only is he arguably your best defensive player. In fact, I think it was not an argument that he was your best defensive player up until Micah Parsons joined this team, right? Mm-hmm. And even with the season that Trayvon Diggs had, I would say if he's not your best defensive player, he's your second-best defensive player. Uh, I think it's a no-brainer to keep him not only for what he does on the field, but DeMarcus Lawrence is a leader in the locker room. And I'm not yeah. usually a guy that's like big into leadership because I think that can like fluctuate, right? I mean, guys can step into leadership roles if there's a leadership vacuum in some cases, right? The, the you know, the void does not get filled, but in most cases, right? There are guys ready to step up into that position. And, you know, in a lot like Michael Parsons may already be close to being ready to take over that spot. I'm not saying he's not. But I believe Demarcus Lawrence still brings a leadership quality to that defense that is worth keeping around. That's worth a little bit more than potentially just what he delivers for you on the field. And what he delivers for you on the field, make no mistake, is still substantial in its own right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I agree with that. Now, the rest of the players on the list are kind of players that you have to make decisions about what's their future and what's going on. Uh, Amari Cooper is $12.5 million in potential cap savings with a restructure. And there's there seems to be people that don't want to keep him around anymore. Uh, I still think he's your best, most reliable receiver. Something seemed to go a little off with the chemistry with him and Dak uh, the latter part of the season. But again, that's something I need to, I think they need to, to work on fixing. 
I would lean toward restructuring him and making the commitment to him as your, your wide receiver one. Um, you know, but obviously if, if the team, that would be a sign is that the team start restructuring some of these other players we're going to talk about and not Amari, that could indicate that this uh, unease about him goes beyond just, you know, rumors and Twitter speculation. So uh, I would vote that you restructure him. So the Cowboys had 17 games this season. You care to guess in how many of those games Amari Cooper caught three or fewer passes? Two. The answer is eight, Tom. Oh, really? In nearly half of the games that Amari Cooper played in 2021, he caught three passes or Less three for okay, 18 but, against the Cardinals, two for eight against the Giants, two for 42 against the Saints, two for 37 against the Broncos, three for 60 against the Giants, three for 69 against the Panthers, three for 26 against the Eagles, three for 24 against the Chargers. Now, he did. But whose fault? Whose fault is that? Is that Amari's fault, or was that a refusal to, to force the ball in? Because one of the criticisms about the Kellen Moore offensive approach was that the Cowboys were not willing to force it to a receiver the way we saw some of the other playoffs team, just they were going to get the ball to their best receivers, no matter what. And, you know, it would take good throws from the quarterback and the receiver going up and making the reception. I will propose that Amari wasn't being given the chance to do that very much. And as good a route runner as he is, I have to, I have to think that the blame for that is somewhere else. So it sounds like you would not be as eager to restructure him. Well, no, I am. I'm playing devil's advocate here actually, because I, I actually do agree with you that, Amari Cooper could have been utilized more to his potential than he was. In fact, in the middle of the season, you know, you and I discussed kind of what would be the go-to play that you would call if you needed to get the Cowboys out of an offensive slump. And to me, it was the Amari Cooper slant. And I still would lean on an Amari Cooper slant. And when you talk about reliability, um, as excited as I am about CD's talent and potential, Right. He didn't really live up to that potential this past season. Um, And again, perhaps a fault of, you know, not getting him more involved. But in my in my mind, the difference between Amari and CD this season was Amari didn't get the opportunities. CD got the opportunities, but he didn't do as much with them as I anticipated that he would whether it was dropping screen passes or dropping big plays over the middle. Right. And you talk about Amari in terms of, opportunities in 2020 amari cooper saw 130 targets in 2021 amari cooper saw just 104 so even though 26 targets doesn't seem like a lot right he only missed one game from the previous season and 24 targets is a pretty substantial number i mean that's Mm -hmm. you know almost to a game um with the games that he played so I would tend to lean with you that I would be more willing to restructure Amari and keep him here, keep him around, as opposed to taking the cap savings that could be had by cutting him entirely. And those cap savings have to be considered, right? Because that is almost $20 million. 
that you're talking yeah. about versus saving 17 by re or versus saving 12, excuse me, by restructuring him. So that's why yeah. that conversation, I think the Amari one is where you start to have Cowboys fans on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. Now let me tell you one guy I would not restructure for any reason whatsoever. And that's Ezekiel Elliott. Never. Uh, because, because you've got to be out of it next year. Yeah, they if if they don't restructure him, they can get out of it and save some money uh, at, in in twenty twenty three. And I think they need to really be thinking about whether it's time to get away from him because, um, as somebody pointed out, there there were uh, over the past I think since twenty nineteen or so, or maybe it was twenty sixteen, there were a hundred and five NFL players who got at least 300 uh, targets uh, that were, were the ball was thrown to them. Of those 105 players, essentially Ezekiel Elliott ranked 105th. He was just dead last in things like EPA and success rate and all that stuff. I honestly was shocked by that number because while I do feel like Zeke has not been the weapon I expected him to be, mm-hmm. As a pass catcher, I'm floored by the fact that he was literally the worst amongst qualified candidates over the past decade. That's that's uh, that hit me hard. It, yeah, it was it was it was stunning to me, and it's just the Ezekiel Elliott. We we just have to face it. The only logical reason why he is still the starter and everything is because. Jerry and Stephen Jones paid him a ton of money that they shouldn't have, and they're kind of forcing him into the starting lineup, forcing the coaches to start him to to justify their own mistake. And uh, that needs to stop, but they certainly don't need to restructure him again. If they do restructure him, it makes me feel real pessimistic about the future of running back for the Cowboys. They've got Tony Pollard who offers a lot. And the simple fact is that it's been proven time and again, you can get a quality NFL running back almost anywhere in the draft. There's just a ton of running back talent that comes out of college because college uses running backs more than, than the NFL. There's just that, that is a surplus it, it's you can find them with some decent scouting and I just they need to start preparing for the future without Zeke and staying away from another restructure on him is I think the first step so that's going to be one of those bellwether things I'm going to be watching you know I mentioned like the Amari thing is probably the first step we get to where Cowboys fans are on different sides of the aisle this is one that Cowboys fans are all lock and step on I believe yeah any Cowboys fan that's tuned in understands 2022 is probably the final year of Ezekiel Elliott in a Cowboys uniform. Yeah, you you would think so. There are still a few people who think he's great, but they're they're becoming fewer and farther between. And I like him. I respect him, and I appreciate what he has done and what he does do on the field. Right? I think he's an exceptional mm-hmm. pass blocking running back. But do you need to pay an exceptional pass blocking running back like he's? Christian McCaffrey in his prime, right? And it's funny yeah. that I say Christian McCaffrey in his prime because the man is about to turn 25 and he looks like he's already passed it. And that's yeah. what Zeke looks like as well at the age of 
27. Yeah. And we know that running backs, it's been proven they fall off the cliff real fast. So, and, and by the way, his base salary is guaranteed for this year. Yeah. Yeah. We know, we know we'll absorb it. Um, but hopefully the Cowboys won't take the approach that the man that's getting paid the most has to play the most in 2022. Yeah. Hopefully they learn their lesson from 2021 on that. And Tony Pollard will kind of take over. So we've gone over the five big ones, tank Amari, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott. I think we know where we all stand um, just real quickly on the final three, right? Uh, Zach Martin restructure can potentially save you about $7 million. I think I'm doing that one as well, just because, mm-hmm. you know, you know, he's sticking around for a while. He still looks to be in his prime. He was named to a pro bowl, although he's not going to be attending as he announced this week, but he was named to another pro bowl and he was the best offensive lineman in, in your group. Right. So that restructure is also a new brain. Save seven. Yeah. Million. Yeah. But he was, he was all pro this year again, too. Okay. All pro so. again. Yes. I'm sorry. I, I mean, the Pro Bowl news was just on my mind because it happened this week. But, yes, also named the All-Pro. The other offensive lineman, though, that we'll have some questions on, Tyron Smith and and Lael Collins. And we kind of touched on Lael earlier. You felt like he sticks around. And even some were saying that he had, you know, an outstanding year, balling out, according to Duke Mayweather, the uh, offensive line guru that you can follow on Twitter. Good follow there on Twitter, but – YL, you can save about $6 million by restructuring. You can save even more than that by just letting him go outright. And Tyron, you can save about $8 million by restructuring. Of course, also, Tyron is an option as a potential cut. And if you were to cut him, though, um, pre-June 1, you wouldn't really save all that much. If you did it post-June 1, you'd save about $13.5 million. So yeah. we'll start with Tyron, yeah. right? Save eight yeah. by restructure or save 13 and a half by letting him go. It, here's, here's, my, here's my stance with Tyron. He's too good to cut. Um, I don't think you've got any kind of ready answer if you, you cut him and didn't have him going forward. But he's having too many injury problems that I want to put a whole lot into restructuring and, and force you to have to try to maybe hang on to him a little longer or have more costs down the thing. I would like to just leave his contract alone. Okay. See how he does. Yeah. And I'm a little bit that way on Lael Collins. I'd probably be a little more willing to restructure Lael, uh, but that's just more based on, on the fact that I'm hoping hoping he's not going to have any more health concerns. I'm more optimistic about that than I am with Tyron. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think the Cowboys might try to get by with maybe just doing about four players and, and getting enough out of that. Cause I, it's, it's all going to come down to what they had decide they need to do to sign some of their own free agents. They may be forced into some restructures that we're a little uncomfortable with. Um, but that ain't on us. We're not the one to get to pick that. Mm-hmm. So we'll, well have to find out. So where we ended up then, uh, Tank, Amari, Dak, and Zach, if we restructure them all, we're saving about $47 million. The Cowboys were $21 million over the cap. So that would give them about $25 million to play with in the free agent. And market. you can probably, you could probably sign three of their 
top free agents for that much, depending on how you structure the contract. Bingo. And so, we've not even included the guys who, you know, in my opinion, will likely be gone this offseason. Um, Anthony Brown, if they can't explore some type of trade option, I think he's gone. That saves six and a half million. I also think, uh, you know, Jordan Lewis, depending on, you know, how they feel about that, they could save some money by either restructuring him. They could save about a million or by cutting him outright. They could save about three million. And then the, the last one, which I think is pretty much a certainty uh, in terms of savings and a cut is Greg Zerline, who they're going to save about three million dollars on when they cut him. It's just a matter of when, not if, in my mind. Yeah. Uh, we'll go find out how how big the man crush Bones Fossil has on him. Has on yeah, him, that's for sure. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, whether or not that was a lot of fluff just protecting his guy, or whether or not it's a serious love affair, we're going to find out here in a couple of weeks, yeah. as you said. So the last thing we want to get into here in the pod before we break out, and we've had a good long run here this uh, this afternoon, but. The things we want to touch on is a great article that you've put together, taking a look at how the Cowboys actually may stack up in 22. And while we, uh, in 2022, and while we all agree that the Cowboys may have a tougher road to hoe when it comes to developing and, and having the type of talent that we believe they had this past off season on the roster. At the same time, it appears that the landscape, may actually be friendlier to the Cowboys than it was in 2021. Yeah, it's it's a paradox. The Cowboys may have a worse team overall in 2022, uh, partly due to the fact that they're going to lose some of their free agents. Uh, they can't keep all of them, and they're going to have to find – you know, rookies or whatever to replace them. Uh, they'll probably, when it comes to outside free agents, they're going to be bargain shopping again. So it's going to be hard to find that. So they could, they will probably be a worse roster, but be in a stronger position in the NFC because there are a lot of hot messes and big problems in the National Football Conference. Uh, there's there's stronger teams with stronger situations all, all over the AFC than there are in the NFC. And, and the way I looked at this was at two things. It's, it's the two probably biggest factors in my mind are what's your head coaching situation like and who's your quarterback. And so I went and ran down it and I looked at. I don't know if you're ranking it those two, by the way, but I'm flipping that. Who's your quarterback yeah, I, one, and then who's your head coach in situation two? But yeah, and 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 that's just those are just the two criteria. And yeah, for some teams, actually, it kind of is depends on the team. Yeah, cases. you're right. But okay, that's fair. It, but in general, you're probably correct that the quarterback is the biggest thing. So, I first off just looked uh, looked at the Cowboys' schedule because we know who they're playing. We just don't know when. Although. I will confess that I'm pulling for the the uh, Rams to win the Super Bowl for two reasons. One, I want Matt Stafford, a Texas product, to get a ring and be able to say, look, I had one year with a good roster and won as many Super Bowls as Aaron Rodgers did with all those years in Green Bay. <laughs> the, sec the second is, is that the Rams win since they are hosting the Cowboys next season. Cowboys will once again play in the opening game of the NFL season like mm. they did against Tampa Bay. Oh. So that's my reasons. And again against the Super Bowl 
well, potential Super Bowl winner. Yeah, and so um, I went down and I ran through the Cowboys' opponents. And first, of course, you have to look at the NFC East. Um, half fire. the win, huh? It's still a dumpster fire. In fact, it yeah. might be a worse dumpster fire than it was in 2021. Well, it's uh, it, it, it kind of depends on how you how you term it because it, it's important because half of Dallas's 12 wins came from sweeping the NFC East. Um, now, the Giants, they actually took serious steps to putting out the dumpster fire by dumping both Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman. Um, you know, Gettleman was long overdue, and I think Joe Schoen, uh, Joe Shine rather, will probably be a much better GM. But that's long-term stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. They've got Brian Dayball as uh, the new head coach. He'll probably be an improvement. But, but they the didn't fix the that, quarterback. They didn't fix yeah, the quarterback. Yeah, that's the rub. And I don't yeah. believe it. Yeah, be, and the new GM and John Mayer have both publicly expressed their faith in Daniel Jones. E okay, and I don't think Jones is really an answer. Uh, but I think there's a chance they will be a better team, but they're still probably going to be a sub 500 team. Uh, you know, it's going to be an incremental improvement. They will be a team to watch in two or three years down downstream when maybe. Shane gets some smarter drafting and stuff going on, and they find out the solution. Uh, the newly renamed commanders are led by Ron Rivera. Uh, he's a great human being, but you know he's only 14 and 19 in Washington. And the big problem there is they don't have an answer quarterback. Uh, they, you know, they started Ryan Fitzpatrick. He got injured, and then they wrote out the year with Taylor Heineke, and it was just pretty, pretty dismal. There's a there's a belief they're going to take a quarterback in the first round. Not that great a quarterback class from what I'm seeing. So I don't see anything that's going to be an immediate jump in improvement there. So I don't think that they're going to move very much. Once again, they're going to, you know, maybe be flirting with 500, but that's probably about the best they can do. The Eagles have Jalen Hurts as the starter and pretty much have him as the starter. That's not really a question. There's not much other way for them to go. Uh, Of course, he can have very good games, but he's also inconsistent, as we saw in their playoff loss. He just kind of... He's, He's a, a good enough weapon point. to be a starter in the NFL because he can win you some games, but because of his limitations, right, he'll never be able to ascend to that next tier unless all of a sudden he develops the ability to sling the ball that he hasn't showcased up to this point, right? So he yeah, is a dangerous weapon. He's a nice running quarterback, but it doesn't strike fear into – you know, the opponents, unless you're facing them in a fantasy playoff. Yeah, and that's the that's the key term, running quarterback. We still have not seen that as a long-term success with the possible exception of Lamar Jackson, and, you know, he had a down year. So uh, that, that still has not been proven as a viable option in the 21st century in the NFL is to go with a running quarterback. So... The Cowboys should still be favored to win the division. Uh, they may, you know, split with one or two of the other teams, but 
I think they're still going to win the division and break that long streak of no repeat winners in the NFC East that's been going on for so long. Uh, and that's, I think, I don't think that is an unrealistic or wildly optimistic view. Uh, the Cowboys just are bringing more back to the table. Uh, you know, they keep their, their coaching situation with the possible exception of, of Kellen is stable and Dak Prescott is the best quarterback in the division. I think anybody can argue that. Now you look at the rest of the teams that Cowboys play, uh, Chicago bears. Okay. Hired Matt Everfluss, who is a great hire, I think as a head coach. But he's walking into a rebuild. Yeah, they've got a promising young quarterback in Justin Fields. But yeah, he but had not a- not on that level, right? I mean, I would just say go through each of the teams with the quarterbacks and be like, "How do you feel about it?" Because Bears yeah. and Fields, well, I don't, you know, like yeah. Matt well, Flus ain't making that much of a difference. He doesn't know this team that well, even though he is. A and he's not an offensive guy either. Yeah. So, uh, and, and I was going to say. What I was going to say about Fields, he only averaged 187 yards a game passing in the games he played, and threw more picks than he did touchdowns. So, yeah, he's he's a ways off. Don't okay. expect don't expect them to be uh, rising up much. The Detroit Lions, you know, Dan Campbell's a great guy, love him to death. Uh, but they got Jared Goff. Yeah. You know, they they traded with the Rams from you know, uh, sent Matthew Stafford off to Los Angeles. And so far, obviously, uh, Detroit lost that trade. Uh, they, he's got a big contract too. So they're likely stuck with him. Uh, so we, I don't think they're going to see a whole lot there. Dan Campbell's got more. It's going to take him more than another year or two. I think to get there, uh, it's probably going to be after they come up with the next, quarterback before they really can be considered a contender then we have the tampa bay buccaneers which took the huge hit of tom brady retiring he's gone um that means they don't have an answer for quarterback right now uh they they're if they had their druthers they'd probably try to trade for aaron Rodgers. but yeah the, the belief is Green Bay would not send a trade with an NFC team, especially since there's a strong suspicion that the plan for the Denver Broncos is to get Rodgers. Well, and it's going to be also really hard for Green Bay to explain to their fans how they traded him to a team that they're going to play in 2022, right? And because yeah. they won the division, right, all division winners are playing each other. That's why the Cowboys have both the Packers and the Bucks on their schedule. But it's hard to believe that the Packers would trade a team that they're going to play, also a first-place team in the Bucks, knowing that they're going to have to answer questions about some matchup on that front down the road, right? So from a Cowboys perspective, right, the offseason could almost not be falling into a better place than the way it is falling because the way that the schedule makers build it, right, it's designed for teams at the top to have to struggle the following season to get back to where they were. And in the Cowboys case, right, you basically could be clearing out two of the best quarterbacks they were going to potentially face in the 22 Mm. season. In fact, we've already filtered out one in Tom Brady who announced his retirement this week. Yeah. And the, the next best guess people have is that the uh, Bucks might try to get Jimmy Garoppolo as a free agent, which yeah, that don't scare me to death. Um, with Bruce Arians, he would be dangerous. Uh, 
but they're certainly a much less formidable opponent, no matter what, than they were last year. Uh, the Colts are on the schedule. Carson Wentz is their starter. And we all know that you've got about a 70% chance Carson Wentz is going to screw up the game. The other 30% of the time, he's going to go out and whoop you bad. But he's very inconsistent. If he's not backed up by Nick Foles, I have zero confidence in him. Yeah. The, uh, the Texans, they're just a mess. <laughs> they're a total mess. They don't have any real solutions. Uh, you know, even if they do get uh, Tua Tagovia, Tua, I just say Tua from the Dolphins, or Baker Mayfield, a couple of possible trade targets that they have. But I don't know if they're going to be able to do anything because they still got to sort out what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. So that's that's just a miss. Plus a brand-new coach who's got to come in and just – that's going to be a case of somebody who really wants to be a head coach because it is not a good situation in any shape, form, or fashion. Yeah. Um, they play the Bengals. Talk that one. I figure that's one you got to figure the Cowboys are very likely to lose. They play two tough games so far that you've named. We play the Rams, yeah. right? And we play the Bengals, the two Super Bowl con- combatants. And outside of that, mm-hmm. I haven't heard a team or a name or a quarterback that I'm at all fearful of. Now, yeah, the Green Bay, the Green Bay Packers. Everyone expects that Rodgers is going to be gone. The only way the car the uh, Packers remain a concern is that they somehow come to a uh, reconciliation with him. Everyone's told, I've heard he's going to be gone in years past. So it's one of those things I'll, I'll believe that he's gone when he actually mm-hmm. leaves. Uh, the fact that he, I think somebody said he's buying a house in Nashville, uh, wants to go try to play for the Titans. That's an interesting thought. But anyway, uh, if, if, if he's still around, we'll worry about that game. But until then, they're probably going to be less formidable opponent. Um, the Vikings are are looking, still looking for a new head coach, and they've got Mister Average Kirk Cousin in his sixty-one, sixty-two, and two record as a starting NFL quarterback. <laughs> you know that's just that's just kind of what you know he is what he is, uh, and we beat them with Cooper Cup last season. So yeah, I don't get scared about that again uh, no Uh, fear no fear and you know you're talking about the two other nfc so you've said the colts and the texans so i know that the titans and the jaguars are coming up i mean no one fears the jags based on what they did a season ago even if trevor lawrence might be the third best quarterback uh that the cowboys face based on who you've named and then the titans who were the number one seed in the afc but despite being the number one seed and having a bye in the first round they had the worst odds to make the Super Bowl of the four teams that remained in the AFC playoffs. And sure enough, their quarterback situation ultimately doomed them from being able to contend for the ultimate crown. So from that standpoint, right, I don't fear Ryan Tannehill. Um, the Cowboys seem to have, you know, shored up a little bit of their defensive line against the run in yeah. the past year. So I would feel decent about going up against Derrick Henry, and I don't feel the, fear those weapons in Tennessee. So you've only named really two teams, and they're the Super Bowl combatants that I feel the Cowboys would not be favored against in Vegas if bets were yeah. made tomorrow. Yeah, two of them and maybe three maybes, and yeah. that could change. That could get worse in those cases. Uh, and, and one last thing I considered was the fact that 
you know, the Cowboys got the number three seed because of how the rest of the NFC did, even though they didn't play. And just taking a quick look around at the, the six teams the Cowboys do not play this year in the NFC, uh, the NFC West was the powerhouse, probably should be one of, if not the strongest division again. Uh, the 49ers, uh, they don't know about Garoppolo. Uh, with what's going on. Uh, I've got to go back and double check my article too and look at the draft because I can't remember if he's actually a free agent or if Garoppolo? he's uh, Yeah. No, they're exploring trade options um, yeah. with him, but he's agreed basically with the 49ers to work in tandem to explore those options. So he, he tweeted yeah, out okay. a goodbye video to 49ers fans this week. And so you know, he knows he's gone. The team knows he's gone, but he's working with John Lynch, the GM there in San Francisco to try to come to some amicable, you know, agreement where every, you know, all sides win. doesn't always happen like that in the NFL, but that is ultimately what their goal is going to yeah. be. Yeah. I just need to go change that because he used the wrong verbiage at one point in the article. Um, well, so well, for so all they... those names, I mean, gosh, as bad as we felt about the Cowboys, in this offseason and what has transpired in the way that things kind of fell flat going into the playoffs, it would seem that going into 2022 and, and granted, there's going to be a lot that changes between now and then. Right. So we don't want to get too yeah. far ahead of our skis. Free agents will be signed. Quarterbacks will be signed. Guys will move into different places and that could make, you know, different things interesting for the Cowboys from a scheduling perspective. But boy, if you just told me that, I know what I'm losing this off season and I'm not gather and I'm not gaining anything to replace those guys. And you give me what I have on this roster right now that I know is a sure thing. And you put it up against 90% of the teams they're playing against right outside of the Bengals and Rams. I feel damn good about it, Tom. I really do. Yeah. So that was, I don't think it's just hope. blowing smoke to say yeah. there's reason to be optimistic about the Cowboys in 2022. Yeah. Our pessimism has been based on our, our tunnel vision about the Cowboys and their problems. What I, when I started digging in and looking at some of this stuff, the realization is a lot of other teams have problems. Uh, most of the rest of the NFC have problems that are probably bigger than what the Cowboys facing. That's why I said it's possible the Cowboys could field a weaker uh, roster this year and still uh, be in a better position strength-wise relative to the rest of the, of the, uh, the conference than they were last season. Well, well, Cowboys fans, suck on that and tell your friends an improvement to 12-5 might be coming for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and that would be something 12, 12 and five, 11 and six, wasn't it? Why did I have 12 and five in my mind? They were 12 and five. Okay. All right. Sorry. 12, um, sure 12 and six, 12 and six. If you include the playoff game. Okay, sure. So, no, but yeah, no, I was just thinking the regular season there. So I had my numbers off 12 and five. Sure enough. And, and it seems like the Cowboys could improve upon that. So, We'll take a look at some of the moves that the Cowboys may be considering as we look towards the offseason next week. Obviously, we've got the Super Bowl to contend with and any news that comes out of Radio Row, if that is even a thing anymore, we'll obviously get it to you next week here on the pod. But for Tom, I'm Roy. 
another episode in the books, please hit us up on the social media sphere. Um, I did have a man. I, and I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't mention this sooner because I've asked listeners to reach out to us, say hello and tell us where you're listening from. Um, a gentleman by the name of Greg Taylor actually reached out to me from Twitter. He says he's from Sydney, Australia, listens to the pod every week. Uh, at shout out to at random underscore sojourn, Greg Taylor, my man who, uh, who tagged me and tweeted me and said, Hey, listen to the podcast, love what you and Tom do. And, uh, just wanted to say, Hey, and thanks for what you do. So Greg, thank you for listening, sir. And if you made it this far, you know, you're a true, you're a true blog and the boys Patriot. So we appreciate it. Thank you, mate. Yes, sir. Amen. Maybe I'll give you some Aussie Roy sometime in the future if you haven't heard my iteration of that but uh for tom no, i'm roy now i uh, might have to now if you if you really <laughs> test me uh next week we'll get riled up on the cowboys we'll have the super bowl version of the podcast riled up on the dallas cowboys of course you can check out all the fine podcasts on the blogging the boys podcast page and make sure you check out all of our work at bloggingtheboys.com including tom's article regarding these uh these potential 2022 Cowboys opponents. Not potential, the actual opponents. We just don't know the schedule yet. So for Tom, I'm Roy. Stay riled up on the Cowboys. We'll see you next Thursday.